Let us pray before we get started. Dear Heavenly Father, we just pray that you um, have your words come through this morning. May it be an encouragement for other people. Lord, just push me aside, Lord, and just let your words penetrate. And Lord, we just pray that you just open everybody's hearts and minds, that they may get something out of this that they can use as they leave today. And Lord, we thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name, amen. We're going to talk a little bit today about encouragement. Before we get started, we all need encouragement. There isn't anybody in this room that don't need it. But do we give it? You know, our tongue is like a two-sided sword, a double-edged sword. It can lift up and edify, or it can tear down. What are we doing with it? Today we're going to talk to, um, about the letter that Paul wrote to the Thessalonian church. But before we get into that, you think about what encouragement really is. You think of a long-distance runner that is just, towards the end, his body is just telling him to stop. His throat's burning, his muscles ache, and he needs that encouragement to finish the race. And that's where friends and fans and people come in to play because they encourage him. They help him push through that pain. And it's just like our Christian lives. We need encouragement sometimes. Sometimes when we're, we're down, Sometimes when we need that special encouragement, that card, that phone call to uplift us, to keep us in the fight. That's what we're going to talk about today. Um, so we're going to start in Thessalonians 5, verse 11 through 23. Now, Paul wrote this letter to the Thessalonians to encourage them. They were a young church, a lot of new Christians. There was a lot of um, temptations and idol worship and pagan worship. And he wanted to encourage them to keep doing what they were doing. In this short message, Paul gives 16 examples. See if you can pick them out. He gives 16 examples on how to encourage people. So we're going to start in verse 11, and then we'll go through it. Therefore, encourage one another. Build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. Now we ask you, brothers, to respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle, encourage the timid, 
Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always be kind to each other and to everyone else. Be joyful always. Pray continuously. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecy with contempt. Test everything. Hold on to the good. Avoid every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus. So you all got all 16 examples, right? We'll start out in verse 11. Therefore, encourage everyone and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. So in other words, they were doing this, but he was encouraging them to keep doing it. Because a lot of times when we do stuff, as long as we're encouraged, and long as we've, you know, everything's going right, it's fine. We don't need that encouragement. But it's when things go wrong is when we need that encouragement. So we build each other up. Think of the last time that you told somebody that what you appreciate about them, some aspect of their life that you really appreciate. When was the last time you did that? You think about these things. In verse 12, it says, you ask, and, um, we ask you, brothers, to respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord. Respect your leaders. Look for ways to cooperate with them. You think about the time and effort that Sunday school teachers, pastors, or anybody who teach you, the time that they take so that you may understand God's word. Thank people for that. And in verse 13, it says, Hold up in highest regard and love because of their work. Hold leaders in the highest regard. Hold back your next critical thought because they're not doing things the way that you think it should be done. Think about this. How many times do we say under our breath, well, that's not the way I would do it. Well, think about this. We're supposed to respect our leaders. They're giving you, they're bringing you God's word. When was the last time you said thank you for your efforts? All these things we take for granted. Then, um, in verse 13, it goes on. It says, live in peace with each other. Search for ways to get along with others. You think about that. It's pretty simple. But sometimes we don't do that. We take it for granted that everybody will do everything the way we want them to do. But it don't always work that way. So we, we need to work on that. 
We need to work on because sometimes encouraging people is what God put us here for. He wants us to do that. There is many words of encouragement, commandments of encouraging throughout the Bible. But these are just some of the things that Paul wrote to the Thessalonians to be able to help them, to encourage them. In verse 14, it says, And we urge you, brother, warn those who are idle. Challenge somebody to get involved. Ask them to help you. Idle's hands is the devil's workshop. And when we leave that unintended, we're leaving out a very important blessing that we could have of helping somebody in that area. And then it says, help the weak. Support those who are weak by loving them. You know, sometimes we take for granted our own loved ones, our wives, our relatives. We figured, well, they know that we love them. When was the last time you told them? You think about these, these little things that make a difference. That's the encouragement, is the little things that make the difference. In verse 15, it says, Be sure nobody pays back wrong with wrong, but always be kind to each other and to everyone else. And Instead of planning on getting even, even with somebody when they have wronged you, pray for them. When was the last time you did that? These are things that we take for granted all the time. And we don't realize that we're supposed to be Christ-like. We're supposed to want to be Christ-like. We're made in his image. But we haven't been a good example of it. In verse... Um, 16 says, be joyful always. Now, sometimes we, as humans, think joy is the same as happiness. When we're not happy, then we can't have joy. But joy is from God. Joy is from knowing Jesus. Nobody can take that away from you. Sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we forget that happiness and joy aren't the same thing. Joy is something that once you receive Christ as your Savior, that joy can never be taken away because it's a totally different thing about your circumstances. doesn't matter what circumstances you're in. Your joy is always there. Your happiness may not be. And sometimes we cloud our judgment on them things. Verse 17, it says, pray continuously. Now this doesn't mean that you need 24-7 to be, be on your knees. This means when you're in your car, when you're at work, talk to God. 
We have that relationship with them. Little short prayers are very encouraging. They're very uplifting. A lot of times when, we're, when we feel down, the best thing to do is talk to God. Pray about it. Ask him for help. Ask him to help you with your attitude towards somebody who pulled out in front of you in a vehicle. Sometimes we need that because sometimes our Christian, the way we act, goes right out the door because, because of that. And then give thanks always in circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. That doesn't mean that we give thanks for when we got a flat tire. It doesn't mean that we give a thanks because we lost our job. But be thankful that God is there. Be thankful. Give thanks continuously in all circumstances because it doesn't matter where we are, where our circumstances are, God is always there, waiting with open arms to help us. We have to ask. And he waits very patiently, much more than what we realize. He's just waiting there for us to ask. In verse 19, says do not put out the holy the do not put out the spirit's fire what does that mean it means don't grieve the holy spirit once you once you're saved the holy spirit indwells you to encourage you but you think about sometimes when the holy spirit prompts you to witness to somebody or to say something to somebody that you don't know, you might meet on the street. What do we do? Do we damper that? Do we say, oh, no, I can't do that. If the Holy Spirit is prompting you, then you should do it. He doesn't do it for the fun of it. He's doing it to glorify God and give you a blessing to be able to talk to somebody. Now, in this case, Paul was talking about speaking in, in tongues and, and not to, not to um, downplay that. We don't have that much now, but back in, back in this time, that was part of it. And a lot of people didn't like it. And in verse 20, it says, do not treat prophecy with contempt. That means receive God's word from those who speak it. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't test it. You need to look you need to get in the Bible and make sure that whoever's preaching God's word is teaching the truth. That's our responsibility. A lot of times, that's how people get drawn away into false prophets is because you get a good speaker 
that can convince you of everything, well, you're going to follow them. They've got to be telling the truth. I mean, it's like working with a computer. The computer never lies, right? Or you see something on TV. Well, that's got to be the gospel. Well, it's not. We're supposed to not treat prophecy in contempt, but test every word of it. In verse 22, it says, avoid every kind of evil. That's hard to do in today's world because there's so much evil out there. Now, we think evil is something that's bad, but evil could be just as bad. Evil is any thing of temptation that gives Satan a foothold to get into your life. And it could be as simple as watching a movie, doing things that you weren't supposed to be because you're bad testimony. It could hurt your testimony. The other day, for example, in my own life, I went to the tractor supply place in Middlebury and I got some hydraulic oil. And I didn't think nothing of it. The, the lady in the back was helping me load it and we loaded up and the lady at the cash register said, how many, how many pails of oil do you have? I said, 10, because that's what I was planning on getting, 10. So I paid her, went out and started putting it in the truck. I started counting and I had 18. <laughs> and I said, whoa. And just for, a, just for a second, I hesitated and said, boy, it's buy one, get one free. <laughs> and I, I said, no, I can't do that. So I went back in, I put the 10 pails in the truck and I went back in and I told the clerk, I said, you know, I only paid for 10 and I didn't realize, but I had 18, so I'm bringing eight of them back. And she was just blown away. Because people don't do that. It's the little things in our lives that we do that make a difference. And sometimes we overlook that. And you think about our everyday work with or friends, or at work, or even our family. We overlook the little things that encourage people that there's still good people out there. When I brought them pails back, that encouraged that clerk that there's still some honest people still out there. Because it would have been so easy to just load them in and take it home. She was just blown away that there's still that. That's encouragement. That's encouraging people. That's what we're talking about. That's why Paul wrote the letter was to encourage Christians in our everyday lives. Everything we do, everything we say should be uplifting. You know, we're going to be accountable for every word that we say when we stand before God. 
myself included, I'm worried about that because there's sometimes I don't speak like I should. I'm the first to admit I'm a work in progress. And I'm sure a lot of you can say the same thing. God's working on it. Just because we're Christians doesn't mean we're perfect. We're human. But it's all that encouragement, them little things in life, that brings back perspective on how we should act. How we, you know, if, you're, if you think about stuff that you, you shouldn't be doing and wondering whether it's good, ask yourself, would Jesus be doing this? If Jesus was standing behind me, would I be doing this? Probably if you did that, you wouldn't be doing it. We need to think about these little things. And in verse 23, it says, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus. Remember, the Christian life is not to be lived on our own strength. It's to be lived with God's help. We cannot do it alone. We're going to fall. We're human. The sin nature is still in us, even though we're saved. It's a constant battle. Who's winning? Is God winning or is Satan winning? Think about that next time when you got right on the verge of your tongue about something negative to say about somebody. This is what the Christian life should be like. And this is what Paul was giving in examples to the Thessalonian church to be able to deal with all the pressure. Back there, then, they were living in times where pagan worship, temptation was terrible there. And Paul wrote them to encourage them. He gave them these 16 examples do you still have the 16 examples? Did you get them all? Think about it. Read this over and over again, and you'll, you'll be able to pick them out. The biggest one, which we all struggle with, is verse, 19, or verse 16, 17, and 18. It says, Be joyful always, pray continuously, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you. You think about that. That's pretty powerful. Do we do that? Are we always joyful? No. Do we always pray? No. Who's the first person you go to in times of trouble? It should be God. God should be your first, first thing in defense. But he's not. We try to do it on our own. And God's there to help us. But do we let him? The Holy Spirit. God gave us the Holy Spirit to help us. But we damper it. 
Every time he nudges us to do something, we say, oh, not today. Next time that happens, think about it. The Holy Spirit is nudging you because it's God's will. So as we close today, I pray that each and every one of us would leave here thinking about ways to encourage people. Because that's what it's all about. That's what makes life worth living. That's what makes the difference whether or not you can finish the race or not. So think about it. Think about what God wants you to do.